I think they're here. Let me go get the door. Hey, how are you? Hey, oh my god, come in. Do you want a drink? Yeah. Best, let's get some good drinks. <laughs> Wine or champagne? The East Coast is home to a lot of Caribbeans where Linda and I are fortunate to live close to many Caribbean-owned bodegas, restaurants, salons, barbershops, and clubs that made our families feel like they're back in the islands. Like Flames, Le Foyer, Guilt on Fridays, they play dancehall, or Vincent's that has salsa and merengue. <laughs> Since Vanessa and I both come from West Indian descent, we thought it would be pretty interesting to talk about how being Caribbean and living in New England influenced our lives. Here's a little history on how Caribbean migrated to the East Coast. All right, so Linda, this guy, Columbus, do you know of him? Mm, yeah, mm. we don't acknowledge him though. Right. Columbus later stumbled upon the Caribbean and soon after the islands were taken, mm. ruled, and divided by different European countries. Mm. Because of European colonization, indigenous people were tortured, enslaved, and eventually dying out. The African slave trade traveled through the Caribbean and some were dropped off being sold to Europeans living within the different islands. The mixture of cultures subsequently made up the people of the region. As independence was achieved from the Europeans throughout each divided nation, the people consist of a mixture of African, European, and indigenous descent. As Caribbean countries prevailed and broke the chains free from the colonizers, Puerto Rico did not gain their independence as the U.S. declared the country as a U.S. territory, which later made Puerto Ricans the first wave of Caribbeans in America. At the end of the 19th century, there was the development of the banana trade between the United States and what would become the United Fruit Company. Its banana ships always made room for passengers. Lots of Jamaicans migrated to the U.S. Boston was the first port of call. Later, New York, Philly, Baltimore... New Orleans <laughs> and other ports were added. This facilitated greater and cheaper access for immigration from the island to the U.S. From the end of the 19th century up to 1905, South Florida was the migrants' primary destination. There was a large wave of migration from the Bahamas and a smaller flow of black cigar makers from Cuba. New York was the second most popular state for settlement, followed by Massachusetts. <laughs> I thought he was going to make noise. Too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Between 1917 and 1944, the U.S. granted Puerto Ricans with citizenship in 1917. Puerto Ricans settled primarily in a few New York neighborhoods, such as East Harlem, Chelsea, the Lower East Side, and West Side of Manhattan. By 1930s, the immigrants strongly concentrated in East Harlem, especially between 97th and 116th Street, which became known as Spanish Harlem or simply El Barro. <laughs> El Barrio. <laughs> Many Puerto Rican communities developed alongside African American neighborhoods, such as Harlem or Bed Stuy in Brooklyn. From the early days of Caribbean immigration, West Indian music, including soca, calypso, and reggae, has had a profound impact on popular music. 
Other aspects of Caribbean culture, such as food and carnival, have also entered mainstream America. In the last two decades, carnival, which started in Harlem in 1950, has become a regional event. The first celebration takes place in Atlanta on Memorial Day weekend, and over the next five months, events are held in several cities. The largest one, which takes place in Brooklyn, New York, on Labor Day, draws in two or three million people. Damn. These spectacular public events, which generate millions of dollars in revenue, are the clearest expression of the development of a strong Caribbean community in a defined Afro-Caribbean identity. Yes. There is so much more to know about the Caribbean, and if you're interested in learning, we'll list some references for you to check out in the podcast description. Yes. So my family... I will say is more Americanized than anything, but we did have moments where we were traditional. My background is Puerto Rican. We would, you know, obviously eat traditional Puerto Rican food and share the Puerto Rican music. We were just around that, but they didn't press us to like learn the history. They didn't press us to like really learn the language. Mm -hmm. So it was like very easy flowing. I don't know. Do it sounds kind of bad, but. <laughs> do you wish like you you knew the language and the culture back then? Well, I know the language. I wish I was more confident in it because mm -hmm. I could definitely speak. I just don't feel as confident because obviously I have like an accent, American accent. Mm -hmm. And I had cousins that would go back to Puerto Rico and stay there. I didn't get that experience. We'll go on vacations, but it wasn't like my cousins where they stayed for the summer and they had to speak Spanish that whole time. So they got to like go back and, mm -hmm. and consistently learn. But I didn't. Oh. Um, I feel like we lived around a lot of other Puerto Ricans. So everywhere I lived was definitely inclusive. Like there was a lot of people that shared the same culture. I did definitely see other Puerto Ricans growing up and I got to see the culture. It felt like family. Oh. You know, there was someone else like you. So, so I didn't feel like <laughs> was it? That sounds so sweet. <laughs> yeah, because it felt like you're a part of the community regardless because you guys all share the same culture. So never felt like I was left out. How about you, Linda? Okay, so everyone knows I'm Haitian. Um, I feel like I'm Americanized. Um, my parents they spoke um, Haitian Creole growing up, but I was one of those kids who spoke back in English. So I, I don't know the language that well. But trust me, if you were to speak Creole to me, I understand. Like, I know all the Zen, because I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> zen means I'm like, gossip. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we, I feel like we're semi-traditional, semi-not. Like, we had Haitian food, like, all the time growing up. But it was, like, the same Haitian food. So, like, by the time I got older, like, some people were like, oh, have you ever had this? I'm like, no, what is that? I was like, what do you mean that's part of Haitian food? I'm like, no. So I feel like we're kind of a little bit Americanized um, when it came to that. So growing up, like elementary school, so I'm from Somerville. We don't have element, we don't have middle schools there, so it's only elementary school. So everybody, like I went to Catholic school, so everyone's the same class from like fourth grade to eighth grade, because um, mm -hmm. that's when I started um, Catholic school, and everyone black was like Haitian, besides like one girl, and I don't to this day I still don't know what she was. But we're all Haitian, so I always did see my culture. People would joke around in Creole. Um, you know, all my friends who are black were always Haitian. Um, so I always had that growing up. 
Um, in my neighborhood, I feel like we were like, there weren't that many Haitian people in my neighborhood. I think it was just me and maybe like the house behind us was like a Haitian family, but everyone else wasn't. But like, we didn't really hang out with our neighbors um, really in Somerville at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Vanessa, I need to ask you this. Since we're both kind of like Americanized growing up, but we still obviously rep our culture, did you have a Puerto Rican flag on your wall growing up? Or in your car, your parents' car? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had one in my room, but um, funny enough, my dad was like big on not doing that. Like, he... He hated if we put, you know, like how people will do it in their windows. Mm -hmm. My dad would like rip it off. He was like, don't do that. Or if we put it in the car or anything, he would like take it away. He'd be like, don't, don't put any stickers or flags on the car or anything. My mom was like big time, like rubbed it real hard. But my dad, he would think that if you're too patriotic, people will be against you and do things to you. They'll be mad or whatnot. Uh, so he will always be scared of that. Like, don't, don't be like, love your country, but don't, don't like put it all out there. Were you that person? No, actually we, we didn't have flags on our walls. We didn't have it in the car, nothing like at all. Really? That's yeah. Weird. I think the first time I ever like had a Haitian flag was when I went to carnival, but I was like 18. That's the first time I went to carnival. First time I even knew we had Boston carnival. Um, Cause you know, we didn't really travel to Boston wow. like that. And then I went and then I was like, oh, this is fun, let me buy the Haitian flag. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, we weren't. Well, my, um, so as a kid, my parents would take, take us to the Puerto Rican parade, the Puerto Rican day parade and my dad stopped at a certain age but he will always take us and that's how we had flags and stuff oh. but anywhere else he'd be like don't do that what are things that you can appreciate from the caribbean culture i like most of the islands or all the islands we're very similar with our cooking so for instance in haiti we have this um seasoning which is called epis and you know, as you are Puerto Rican, you guys have sofrito. Sofrito. <laughs> yes. And when I went to Barbados um, two years ago, um, I went on a catamaran. We have delicious food. And they ended up emailing everyone, like, the recipes and directions. And they have their own version of seasoning. So I think, like, every island has that. Yeah. So I, I appreciate how, even though we're all from different islands, we all have that similarity with food. Yeah. And also... Um, Depending on who colonized the island, mm -hmm. they're also influenced by That's that. That's true. Right? Mm -hmm. Or like how, you know, different um, countries kind of traveled in and influenced the islands mm -hmm. as well, right? Each island still has a very, um, like they still, with their African roots, mm -hmm. they still have um, like certain stuff from their African Yeah, descents. for sure. Um, I personally love how the music influenced America and like the music over mm -hmm. here. Like it's just it makes you proud. Yeah. You're like wow, like the Caribbeans did that. <laughs> we did. <that. laughs> and especially where we grew up, it's cool to be Caribbean. Mm -hmm. You know, here in the East Coast, there's so many of us that it's just like it's cool. Like, yes. 
Everyone <laughs> wants to be Haitian. Everybody wants to be Jamaican. <laughs> Everybody wants to be Puerto Rican. Like, it's just cool. At a point, music was hot, right? It was like a period. 2002, 2000, and like... Yeah, I was thinking like those, Sean Paul came yeah, out. Yeah, like when Sean Paul, exactly. Or um, Shaggy, it wasn't yes. me. That was so popular. Like, that time was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, Daddy Yankee came out. All of us was like, yo, oh my God, our people on the radio. <laughs> like, that time was was crazy like, yes i'm still felt... waiting for my haitian music too <laughs> but jesse Wu does have an album out and she has a haitian song Ooh. well she has a song called vacation it has like a haitian beat to it mm-hmm. so check it out i thought that was cool and something i can appreciate from the caribbean culture love to welcome Darren Fenty to our space. His family's from Barbados and says he's related to Robin Rihanna Fenty, but I can't attest to that. He has lived in Boston his entire life and was a part of the Caribbean station in Boston, Big City FM. He is a local DJ and owner of Fenty Promotions and director of Authentic Caribbean Foundation. Darren is a former private compliance manager at a top-tier investment firm in Boston. In his spare time, he volunteers at a local church in Boston, teaching young children how to play the steel band. Darren earned his bachelor's degree in finance services management and is currently enrolled in his last semester of grad school to receive his master's in business management this winter 2019. Welcome to La Salon. La Salon. La Salon. La Salon. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself. My name's Darren Fenty, and I've been a lifelong Boston resident. Uh, I grew up Caribbean, both my parents are from Barbados. Uh, St. Michael is one of the parishes, and Christ, Christ Church is where my father's from. Um, and I think I'm a very strong-willed person, meaning that if I see something that I want to do, I get it done, no matter how long it takes. Um, I'm big on helping the youth in the community of the city of Boston and just music in general. So I'm just a a likable person. I love to network. I'm big on education. I'm also a teacher. On the the weekends, I teach a steel band and just basically anything in general that relates to helping the youth or just people in general. Minorities in general is what I'm big on. That's awesome. Yes. Yes, it is. So what was your experience growing up in Boston and relative to growing up in a Caribbean household? Um, well, I went to a Christian school in elementary and in middle school, I went to a, a private Catholic school. So with that... Yeah, <laughs> I think all Caribbeans do that. Yeah, they, they like to do that private educa- education type of stuff. Um, right right and um with that i had a mixture of like a lot of caribbean friends because it was technically all black people in these private catholic schools ran by white teachers and whatnot so we came to them with like a difference when it came to food some like haitians they had like rio i had um what i used to have i have something called cuckoo 
and like we'll bring it in lunch and teachers will be like oh what's this exactly they'll say like what's this and um it's basically what africans eat for fufu i don't know if you ever had that but we just call it uh cuckoo fufu cuckoo Mm -hmm. sounding similar and from that upbringing from just being so caribbean and having caribbean friends um and in school and whatnot it just it led me to clearly have more friends who are kind of alike with me and also meeting friends who aren't Mm -hmm. because through that journey from elementary to middle school i went on to high school where i went to westwood high which is a mecco district Mm -hmm. it's like close to dedham that was a complete culture shock because i went from being around all black people to being all around white people in an instant so um for high school yeah, yeah for high school high school and going forward pretty much and in college and whatnot so from starting in that environment to having a culture shock of actually meeting people from outside your community everything all at one taught me like a lot basically in the fast environment so i mean that, that's a little bit about the okay so what makes you proud to be caribbean well, growing up in Boston, Dorchester to be specific, um, we're big on, at least the people I know, we're big on like soca, dancehall, reggae. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, combo too. <laughs> big up Alan Cave and everybody. T-Vice. Um, so, <laughs> T-Vice. <laughs> Sweet Mickey. <laughs> We could go down the line. <laughs> Wait, could we, could we make a white clip or no? I mean, I think he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm just proud of that, like, my parents made the decision to come to the Northeast. Because I also have family that live in Florida, Canada, and, like, Las Vegas and whatnot. And there's no real... Las um, Vegas. Yeah. I know, fancy. Yeah, there's no real Caribbean culture on that side. So I'm fortunate enough to be on like the Northeast and even in New York, I got a lot of family in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I just feel proud to be Caribbean because I legit, I was born here, I'm American. Mm -hmm. But since my mother and my father come from the island of Barbados, like I grew up Bajan. Whereas, like I said with the school example earlier, I went to school with like Bajan treats and Bajan food Mm -hmm. and being around Americans like, they had like cheeseburgers and hot dogs <laughs> and at the time i was like oh i kind of want that and they was like oh i kind of want your food so that, that helped us like learn and just from like young till now helped me appreciate my culture along with others but i mean i just love being caribbean for a lot of reasons even As, especially here because there's so many people mm-hmm. you know from the caribbean fact right. fact fact especially canada Oh, I know. The community there is like... Uh, I've been having great experiences. Like, I don't have anything negative to say about growing up Caribbean in that way. Um, I could just say I taught more. I, I've taught other people more about my culture than they taught me, per se. Mm-hmm. Because, like, my grandmother always used to tell me, and it's kind of sad, but it's true. Wait, so I could be frank, like, I could say whatever I want, or... Mm-hmm. Oh, we gotta watch out for what, be careful with your ice language, or something. We gotta watch for ice no, rolling in. No. Okay. Just making sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about like 
profanity. Oh, no, 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 but she used to tell me that Americans don't really have any culture other than hot dogs and cheeseburgers. <laughs> and I, and I, as you're I, for ice because of that. <laughs> as, as I got older, I'm like, yo, my grandmother probably was dead serious back then, and she's dead serious still now because it's, it's kind of true. Like, I don't really know what American culture is. Well, I had a hard time, like... Hip-hop. I... Th- oh, okay. I don't... Well, that still comes from, you know, people of color. Right. Well, yeah. And yeah, African-Americans. You know, everyone... What makes America is all these different cultures coming in together. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm trying to say. <laughs> exactly. So I'm America, sorry. I was trying to help the African-Americans America itself out. doesn't necessarily have a culture. It's like a melting pot of people that make it. True. Mm-hmm. Versus us coming from someplace with that culture and bringing it here. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother kind of said that in like a a, a general kind of way, but it kind of does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Why is it important for you to create your own events influenced by the culture? Um, I like that question. Well, the events I do, they're all Caribbean centered. For example, I might do a reggae and soaking event. Or I might do a complete Afrobeats event or whatnot. Or I might do a mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you always leave out the Haitians. Where's my compas? No, I love Haiti. Haiti, 1804. <laughs> y'all was the first to be independent. <laughs> oh, but what about salsa? Y'all. Salsa? You got the Puerto salsa. Rican right oh, here. My fault. I love Puerto Ricans too. <laughs> I love America. Wait, hold be- up. <laughs> America be trying to forget y'all, but y'all a 50th state. Y'all, y'all are with us. Y'all are with us. It's 51. Um, My fault. Okay. Anyway, I graduated, so we lit. But, but um. We got diplomas out here. <laughs> facts, but um. I mean. Can we talk about uh, Big City and how it was started? We um. Yeah, how did you even um, start doing those yeah. events? Well, my mother, she does events. She's been doing them for like almost 40 years. Her and her friends, they started a nonprofit called Caribbean Heritage Association. So with that nonprofit, uh, originally it started kind of like a social group. Like Mm -hmm. people just wanted to have fun and like party together. But then they eventually evolved it into something where they give scholarships every year to high school seniors going into school. They donate back to various islands that may have like a random hurricane or mm-hmm. devastation that year. Um, they do soup kitchens. They do a lot with like the Shattuck Hospital and uh, by Franklin Park. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up around my mother, um, just being fully involved in the community, but also having her Caribbean roots at the forefront Mm -hmm. because the group is called Caribbean Heritage Association and from seeing that being young I kind of just picked up on like some of the stuff she did directly and indirectly and that just transformed into where I am now where like she started off doing small events and non-profit work to the point where I'm doing larger events and larger non-profit work Do you want to talk about Big City? Um, How it came about? Well, Big City started with this dude named Richie Cloudin and a few other members. It's a community-based radio station where 
at the center of it all is again like Caribbean roots. Um, they have Jamaican DJs on it, they have Haitian, um, they have Bajan uh, broadcasters, and they basically from let's say like 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. at night, you'll hear a variety of different Caribbean music. You'll hear current event topics. You'll also mm-hmm. hear like even top 40 music um, around the clock. Um, but that guy, he's actually one of my mentors. He helps me out a lot with events. Uh, Richie sets up for a lot of my um, parties or just any kind of event that requires sound system. I'll have him do that for me. And the station evolved from something just being small with a group of friends who were some of the personalities on it to where it grew to be one of the largest Caribbean stations in Massachusetts. They've had the mayor come through, they've had the governor, different um, city councilors. So when they're starting to like do their campaign trails, they mm-hmm. kind of make it like a stop to come there to, to try to get like the Caribbean voice, the Caribbean vote from that. Um, they also... Well, actually, the funny thing is, the owner of it, the guy I'm talking about, we actually have the same birthday. Oh, wow. It's so, next month, right? Exactly. Um, so we kind of bond on that end, too. But the station is there for the community. They promote any kind of charitable organization or um, nonprofit event that they know about. Um, they reach out to the youth if they have talent or if they're looking to grow and just hone their skills so they'll reach out to see if they want an internship um there's just different things that they do throughout the year and from its existence that's awesome how can people um listen like what's the what's dial the it's 88.5 um and you can listen to that am or fm fm 88.5 fm um throughout the central area of like Dorchester Roxbury Mattapan High Park you can hear it clearly but due to frequencies and like the cost to having a station the radius isn't that like wide because of a lot of reasons but you can also hear it on um, tune in radio app or just log in to the website online you could type in Big City FM or Big City 88.5 and you can listen online from that way but yeah, that's the signal for it. Do y'all listen to Big City? I do. I listened to that one and the other one that you told me don't listen to. What's the other one? <laughs> Wait, this one's 88.5. The other one's 85. Wait, 87. Is it hot? 87 or something? Or what, what kind of music they play? They do the same music. Hmm. 88.9. No, is that a station? It sounds like one. <laughs> I don't know what the... It used to be, I think, 97, and then they got oh, shut down. Oh, you mean then... B87.7. B, yeah, that's yeah. B87.7. I listened to that yeah, one, too. Yeah, big up to them. I don't really listen to that station, but I like <laughs> some of the people on it I like, so we lit. Are you sure so you know them? them? Yeah, that's... that's All I of mean, them? Not everyone on it, but... Oh, I was going to say, listen to the morning show. It was a guy and then, like, another guy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Two and guys then... and a girl on it? Yeah, and now it's just him. And it just sounds like he's just... Is he yelling or no? He's not upset, yes. Okay, yeah, that might be... That, that's half the reason why I listen, but... I mean, we could pick and choose why you think that it went from three to one. 
but you might be able to infer that yourself. But if it's the same guy I'm thinking, he's not a cool guy. So, oh, okay. Yeah. But big up to them, nothing but love and respect to everybody. So there's no hate here. <laughs> nah, I don't got time for it. <clears throat> but yeah. Do you want to talk about your company on your shirt? Um, yeah, I was just gonna ask that. Yeah, so. I what have, people get confused by um, Rihanna's father having Fenty. Mm-hmm. What, what? Um, well, let me tell you a story because I hate saying this over and over. Again. <laughs> okay. But I'll do it for y'all. <laughs> Gotta no, do I it thought for he y'all. had um, Fenty production. He has Fenty something. I don't know what he has, but I'm hearing he got sued. But. By Rihanna. Rihanna's I'm team. actually hoping I get sued because I want to sell him a check. But Fenty's <laughs> actually my real name. She is my cousin. Lies. Have what? Well, Fenty's not a real name. She's not Rihanna's your cousin. cousin. Robin is not your cousin. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you stories that nobody knows. Okay, we're listening. Come on. This listening. is stories <laughs> that I've seen and stuff that my father and grandmother told me. Okay. I was not there, but my grandmother told me she grew up in the same house as her grandmother. Okay. Because they were all poor. They only had two beds. Some was sleeping on the, I'm sorry. Some was sleeping on the bed, on the floor and whatnot. And um, my father told me one story about how, and I used, I was young and I seen barrels leaving. I didn't know what was going on, but we used to pack like two, one to two barrels off and on in a year and just send it down to Barbados. And um, as I got older, I found out that when they were sending the barrels, that her father would take all the stuff from the port, sell it, get money from it, and buy drugs with it. Oh. But I didn't know that or anything until like um, I got older or whatnot. But have I seen her before? Yes. Do we still talk to her? Absolutely not. Because when she got signed, she cut off damn near like half the Fenties, more or less, and just disappeared. But, she didn't disappear. Hmm? I said, I mean, she didn't disappear. What do you mean? <laughs> she did not disappear. She's, she just didn't talk to y'all. Right. Well, us and, like, a lot of the other Fenties, but, I mean... But I think her. it's more of, like, because it's the father's side. I think she was angry at her father, so I think that's why she did it. Probably. I Because I think know. she's more closer to her mom's it. side. Oh, okay. I'm not too sure, but that's what my grandmother and um, father told me. And it kind of made sense because I think around that time is when Ponda Replay came out. And someone's like, yo, there's someone in Fenty singing this. I'm like, who's that? I'm like, that's my cousin. Then I went to my father. He was like, she's a singer? And then we started to, like, contact back. And then, like, we got no response. Oh. So. <laughs> she wasn't even that big at that time. So, it, yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't. But then I'm like, yo, she could sing? And then from that, like, I have, like, a lot of different relatives that are actually good singers, too, or who were singing prior to her. And, um, like, we're just an entertainment kind of family. Like, it just, it all rolls into one. I've been doing uh, DJing for 13 years. Um, DJing, and for promotion-wise, solo promotion, I've been doing it for, like, a year and two months. So, like, entertainment and... Sports or whatnot, it's just big in my family. Mm-hmm. 
So then you came up with Fenty Productions. Fenty Promotions. Um, so so Fenty, Fenty Promotions is a full service um, promotional company. We do event planning for other people. We do wedding planning, 60ths. We do event decor, decorations, even catering too as well. But aside from that, we do club events. We'll do your college graduation. We'll do a 21st. We'll do even agent bookings for, like, if you want an artist, and I so happen to know them, specifically in the soca and dance hall world, then I'll book them directly. Um, if you want to get into contact with certain Caribbean artists, I could do that too. And that's just a kind of company I came up with where I wanted to use my links that I made throughout the industry and just like my drive to just keep pushing Caribbean culture forward mm -hmm. I decided to leave the existing group I was with at the time to form this because I just wanted to I wanted to branch out mm -hmm. and do a lot more what I wanted to do versus having to run through people and get okays so I left that existing situation I was like you know what I love y'all but I want to do this so I decided to form my own company oh, wow that's good. So if they want to contact you? Um, if anyone want to contact me, they could send a carrier pigeon oh. to... <laughs> no, sir. I'm on Instagram. My name is M-R-F-E-N-T-Y. My business Instagram page is Fenty Promotions, F-E-N-T-Y-P-R-O-M-O-T-I-O-N-S. I'm on Facebook as well as Darren Fenty. And... You can just find me all over. I'm accessible. My whole life is on social media. You don't have an email? Um, yes. It'll probably be on My, that. yeah. People still use emails? I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my business email is fentypromotions at gmail.com. You could reach out to me on there if you have any inquiries or questions or anything. Or just hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or snap and I'll definitely respond. Are there things that you wish you would see more of in Boston when it comes to the Caribbean community? I wish there wasn't a lot of fighting. Like this we're all we all come from the same Caribbean. Like most of us were taken from Africa, the east side of it. And West. actually hold on, also the West West Africa side brought to the Caribbean, brought to South America, and brought to the U.S. and whatnot. Mm -hmm. We all came from a central location. So, in the Caribbean scene and, like, the city, when it comes to promotion, there is a lot of hate, what we, we like to call it bad mind, where people kind of go to the, length, the nth degree to really just have them be um, viewed as, like, the, the number one when it technically isn't no number one because it's Boston, it's not Brooklyn. There's only a certain amount of people that we can spread out to events. So being like the number one in Boston is not what I want to do. I don't care about that. Um, I just wish we just unified more to use our voice, our platforms to help the people who spend their money to come to our events. And that's one thing I really want to strive and do. Whereas um, not only do I do events, but I said I do a lot of like nonprofit work. For example, um, last in June, we did a volunteer day at Greater, Fan Greater 
Food Bank of Boston, which is a place that gets donated food from all over. Mm-hmm. What we did during that time, we just checked out the boxes, check out the boxes. We sorted everything. We made sure there was no like rips or expired food or anything, and we packaged it and shipped it out to the next, um, the next order. The other nonprofit event we have is actually this Sunday um, at Unity Sports and Culture Center, two to six. Whereas I network with Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. Whereas they basically told me if we find any black people that could be just African American, Caribbean, they could be Afro Latina, whatever. Um, once they contact me or Actually, long story short, we're doing an open house this Sunday. If you have your GED, your high school diploma, or your college transcript, bring it to the open house. Um, you can look at the programs that the school offers. It's a technology-based school, but they also have like business management degrees and whatnot. So bring all that information, see what programs you like, and the college director and admissions will instantly admit you into the school. And they will give you free tuition pending like certain criteria like you have to live in the city for a certain amount of years um and if you don't fit that criteria they'll give you free scholarships too as well so the whole point to that is that i went to them saying like yo um there's a lot of people in the inner city that would love to have the same opportunities i had or like you had or your friend had and whatnot but not only is money not the issue, not not the only issue, it's like the access on knowing where to look, different resources on finding out, like, you know, college um, counselors that would actually help you fill out applications. Because there's, there's schools all over in Mass. We got the best schools, but not all the staff is good in, like, helping students out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, basically with this event, it is just a time for people who want to grow academic wise or get a certification in like let's say HVAC or automotive technician or whatnot they can come to that yeah they have like different traits exactly it's, a, it's they're amazing like their programs are great so if they're interested in that um just come up this Sunday are there other dates besides this Sunday? Well, this is the first one. Um, I can let you know more dates in the future. Okay. But we might do it, like, per semester. Okay. But um, this one's kind of like a trial and error type of thing, but we're getting a lot of responses. We have city officials coming to it, um, different city councilors at large in the city, so I'm just trying to make this the first impression good and keep it spiraling because so, we all need the opportunity. That's awesome. That is. How do you get into um, teaching kids? As far as being a teacher, I'm a music teacher. I, when I was younger, like let's say like eight till even now kind of, I've learned to play eight different instruments. And what I do now is that for the past four years, I've been a manager for a steel band. What a steel band is, is, um... Yeah, I was about to say. You might have to describe it. Yeah. Um, my best way to describe it is... Sometimes you'll see, like, on the Carnival cruise ships, you'll see 
um, somebody with sticks and like a colorful tropical shirt playing an instrument, hitting it back and forth. It's like a chrome kind of um, instrument. It's like a hollow drum. Right, exactly. So it's, it's, it's a steel drum, technically. It's cut from like one of those 55-gallon oil drums that you'll see at gas stations or random different places. Um, and they'll just take that same drum, they'll cut it to whatever the dimension is, and they'll take a rubber mallet and just bounce it off to the to the um, the metal of it, so it forms a pitch of each note. It's a little bit more complex than that, but that's basically the basics for it. And I got into that back in 2002. Is well, let me let me start further. So in the 90s, there was something in Boston called Panorama where it was a steel band competition from bands in Boston, bands in Canada, bands in New York. They'll come to Boston and compete. Um, whoever came in first place or second, they'll get a money prize. So it was like an incentive for all these bands from all over to like um, pick a song from whatever Caribbean season is at the time. And they'll basically elongate the song from a three-minute song, the original type of the song, to extend it for 10 minutes. Whereas they'll do, um, like, the verse and chorus of the actual song, but then they'll put in, like, um, improvisations in it. They'll put in something called the jam part, which is, like, just a rhythmic session inside of the, the um, piece. Just different, like, additives just to stretch it out from three to the 10-minute... Uh, rule it is so from seeing that in the 90s and wanting to join at that time when I was young I was like I was like eight or nine or something at the time um, back then I was told I was too young I was too small mm -hmm. that's what they want to say like small meaning young and so happened that my church ended up forming a steel band so from like 97 till 2002, I was telling my mom, I was like, mommy, I want to join, I want to join. She's like, no, Dan, you're too, you're too young, and they keep them back. I'm like, damn. So I heard that year after year after year after year, until finally my church um, decided to form a steel band. So with that, my mother couldn't say no, because she go to church every damn day. She's not going to church now. <laughs> so, since, so since my church made one, she's like, okay, Darren, you can do it. So me having that drive from the 90s to 2002, like I've been wanting to play the entire time. So when I finally got the opportunity, I was like, thank God. So from 2002 to 2012 to 2019, I evolved from just being a pan player to being a section leader, to being an instructor, to now being a manager because I stuck it out through all those years and I learned a lot and I learned how to um, teach new students and also teach existing students as well. So, I mean, it's more to me than just like a pastime. It's technically a part of my culture. So that's basically like a, like a one-stop gist of like how I got into all of that. Do you play for festivals? Um, we used to play for festivals. But, of course, that takes a lot of work. Um, I don't see people playing them. I feel like I see we, at Boston Carnival. Yeah, at Boston Carnival, you'll see one band and one band. And, um, in the beginning or the end? Well. Yeah, that's usually in the beginning. Okay. 
um, in the early 90s, I mean, the early 2000s, and even mid-2000s, in like the 90s, of course, uh, a lot of bands from Boston used to go to Canada, uh, Montreal Carnival, Toronto Carnival, and like the Brooklyn Labor Day Parade, and just transport all their instruments over, um, learning whatever soca songs or whatever they want for that year, and just part partaking in that parade, so... It fluctuates throughout the year and throughout um, just time in general. Sometimes you might have a lot of bands, sometimes you have a lot less, but the culture is still alive. We have a game. I'm ready. I like games. <laughs> so the game is called This or That. So pretty much is if you can live without one of these things, what would it be? And we're all playing. Yes. All right, cool, cool. So we all have to give an answer. Yes. So we're going to start with food. Okay. Cause you're hungry. Trying to keep more hungry. <laughs> okay, which one of these dishes can you live without? Avocados or plantain? Avocado. You can live without it. Of course. Oh, what about you? Like, <laughs> like the juicy plantain or like some. All of it. All of it. All nah, of I it. I love plantain. I'm loyal. Vanessa. Uh, I can live without plantains. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go with him. I just need it. Yeah. Uh, it's really good when you put some like picklies on top. Yes. <laughs> okay. Would you prefer a roti or a burrito? Clearly, I could do without burritos. I love roti. Roti is life. Okay. Life is roti. <laughs> mm, I agree. I could live without a burrito. Wait, you like roti? Yeah. Why are you so surprised? Do you like roti? I do yeah, like I it. I like it now. I didn't like it before. Exactly. A Haitian pate or Jamaican patties? Oh, hate to give away. Like, I don't want... Yeah. If once I answer this, I don't want our friendship or anything to change. <gasps> I would have... Because we're being honest with each other. I would have to give away the Haitian patties. Oh! I would have to. I love... Jamaican patties because you could put mm -hmm. cheese in them, you could put Jamaican but cheese. But you can put cheese on both. But you can't put cocoa mm -hmm. bread on both. Oh, I'm so upset. I um. I love cocoa. I bread. can live without Jamaican patties. Why? You're Haitian. Because I am Haitian. <laughs> what about you, Vanessa? Uh oh. I never tried a Haitian patty. So I'm so surprised. I think I have to go. I have a surprise, We're about and to I have. Lose a Haitian patty for both of you guys. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm so upset. Yes. Are you serious? I know, yes. Wow. From late flyer too. I went all over there just to get y'all. Wow. And y'all try to disrespect. Okay. <laughs> if I never knew what love was, I know what it is now. Wow. Well, but you just denied it so you can't get it. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. That's okay. dope, though. That's dope. And you were hungry. That's dope. And you denied it, and I can't get it. That's, that's sad. So cool, but I love well, thank you. Yay. But I love, I love Haitians, though. I can say that. What's like okay. a, it's like a pastry. What kind of patty yeah. is it? That's the beef one, and Vanessa has the fish one. Okay. Mm, that's good. Thank you. So, um, back to the question. <laughs> Look at his face. You see, you know you can't live without it. Well, Linda's so nice. <laughs> yes, I am. 
What? Okay, the next one. Rum or tequila? Tequila. I know, I feel like I can't live without my rum punch, so. I know. I have rum and tequila. That's what we grew house. up on, rum. Mm-hmm. But I love Patron. Y'all like Patron? Yeah, of course. I feel like rum makes me sick. Yeah, Like tequila is like more. It's more smooth and yeah, yeah, it is. I don't feel like shit after. Hmm, I would do. I would get rid of tequila, cause I grew up on rum. I like tequila more, but I drink more variety of rums. Yeah, same. Tequila, I only drink Patron, but rums I drink a whole bunch of stuff. So you're doing, you're keeping rum? Yeah, I'm keeping rum. You can skip this. What's one. your favorite rum, okay. Babaku? <laughs> Don't be disrespectful. <laughs> what is that? It's Haitian rum. <laughs> it's really strong. It's like I swear it's similar to like the Dominican one. No, okay. Dominic, I'm not a fan of Dominican one. No offense. <coughs> no offense, guys. So the next category would be music. The Caribbean islands have so many different genres of music, but let's see which one of these popular ones you can't live without. So the first one is soca or dance hall. I gotta pick one of them? Yeah, yep. one has to go forever. <laughs> has to go forever honestly i'm more into dance hall like if you really my, yeah if you're in my car right now it's nothing but afro beats and dance hall and probably like three or four soca songs on the cd but i grew up on soca so much like that was kind of forced on me from birth but i naturally fell into dance hall and that's literally like I listen to dance on more than Soka, basically, so Soka gotta go. But don't tell my family, though. Please. Okay, your um, Caribbean card has been revoked. <laughs> your Bayesian card has been revoked. I can live... <laughs> yeah, I can live... Without dance hall. I just love Soka. I don't know why. And I know, love one, it so I much. know one of your favorite artists, too. That's right. I like her, yes. I know. But I also like the guy. Ooh. The guy you promised you'd bring back to All Boston, right, you never did. We're not doing this right <laughs> now. We're not doing this right now. I'll do without Soka. I listen to more dance hall. Sorry. I feel you. Sorry. Dance hall more universal too. Okay. <laughs> the next one is um, merengue or salsa. Salsa. I think that's more fast paced. I think I actually know how to dance to that a little bit. Um, I think I like salsa more. Why? I like when the couples dance. It looks really nice. It's I like I think it's a better dance than merengue, in my opinion. I feel like I'm supposed to love salsa because I'm Puerto Rican, but I like merengue. I like dancing merengue. Where's merengue come from? It's Dominican. Okay. That's dope. Uh, so the next one is bachata or conta. Ooh. Um. I do love bachata. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I listen to a lot of bachata and a lot of meringue and a lot of salsa. But it is kind of hard for me to distinguish the two because I don't speak the language. And, like, I love the rhythms. Same for compa. I don't know what they're saying at all. And I know there's Cape Verdean compa and there's Haitian compa. So I would say... 
I would say compa because I love, even though it's couple dancing, like it's a lot more slower and intimate and mm -hmm. like one, two steps. And I like the rhythm of that a little bit more than the other option. What do you think? So you want to keep compa? I'll, yeah, I'll keep compa. My fault. I'm keeping compa. Yeah. <laughs> keeping my compa. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think I'll say the same. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Darren. We appreciate you. Thank I, you. I appreciate you all. This is dope what they're all doing. I like the ambiance in there. Thank you. This is real, real good. <laughs> Thank oh, you it's relaxing. It was, as soon as I walked in, I'm like, yo, it's quiet. It, it was relaxing. So I thought it was like, in. oh, it's awkward. No, it wasn't, <laughs> no it wasn't awkward at all. It was real relaxing. It's the most quietest it's been like my whole day. So oh, I good. appreciate this. All right, so that was a great episode, Linda. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so what are your final thoughts? Um, I think always keeping your culture in mind when you do anything in life mm -hmm. um, is good. Yeah, it's a big part of your identity. Yes, you definitely. You can't forget that. It makes us who we are. And what about you? I think that it's great to reflect and and kind of relate with other friends and celebrate the culture it's, it's just a great thing to, mm -hmm. to just feel good yes yes i agree and have fun yes um but yeah so we asked darren if he had a gem and this is what he gave us yes there's this quote that goes this race is not for the swift but for who can endure it what that basically means is like um some people, like, they're ready for the sprint. But when it's time to run the Boston Marathon, they're not ready. Like, they just mm -hmm. want to get money fast or they want opportunities fast. But once they get the opportunity, how long are they going to be able to keep it? So I like to just think of things, like, as a marathon, whereas I don't want to be relevant just in 2019. I want to make sure, like, I'm growing in an upward trajectory to 2029 or so on and so forth. So that quote means a lot to me. The race is not for the swift, but who can endure it? So that's one thing I would tell uh, my students. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. They trust the process. Exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Let's keep learning to glow brighter each day. Until next time, glow on. Glow on. Bye. Bye.